We've been talking about focus. The word of the Lord is focus. He said, focus on the thing that I've called you to do. Be faithful in what you're focused on, and that will yield fruitfulness. Somebody say, focus, focus. brings faithfulness, which yields fruitfulness. How many are tired of barrenness in your life? How many are tired of dryness, deadness? It's time for us to be fruitful. Focus brings faithfulness. Faithfulness yields fruitfulness. And again, just to recap, we talked about focusing on his presence. That's what we need to do. Focus on the presence of God. We need to focus on his promises. There's something in God's word for you. We focus on his promises. Focus on his presence. We focused on his person, which was Jesus. We had to focus on him and we focused on his priorities. Remember his priorities were souls. How many have been thinking about souls all week? I tell you what, I've been thinking about souls all week. Everywhere I go, I see somebody, I see them as a soul that needs to be rescued or a soul that needs to be loved. Come on somebody. And today I want to talk to you real quick about focus on the prize. All these P's sound like a good book. I need to write this down. Come on. Somebody say, that's good stuff right there. Focus on the prize. Now, just a little, I want to buy somebody a pizza today. Who would like to have a pizza while you watch the Super Bowl? So I'm going to buy somebody a pizza who can tell me uh, how many, <laughs> what kind of pizza? That's for me to know and you to find out. How many teams have not ever won a Super Bowl? Does anybody know how many teams have never won a Super Bowl? Yeah. No. Never won. Never won. <laughs> you're, you're smart. You're smart. Huh? You're smart. 24? No, no, no. I'll tell you what, there are 12, 12 that have never won. Now, I will buy someone a pizza if you can name seven of the 12. Who thinks they can name seven of the 12? Now, you gotta, who thinks they can do it? If you can do it, levanta su mano, por favor. Raise your hand if you think you can name seven of the 12. All right, let's see. Lenny's got his hand raised. All right, let's see. Who are they? The Browns. The Bengals. The Rams. Uh, okay, the Browns, the Bengals, Jaguars, the... Um, Panthers, Four. the, who else, oh, the Bills, Five. the, okay, Bills, the, okay, the Titans, Uh, wait, wait. The dolphins? No, not the dolphins. 
Uh, I said no. Uh, uh, I'm just saying you're close. <laughs> Did, not, not the Broncos because they won. Uh, I don't know. Oh, let's see. All right, Melanie's got her hand raised. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Um, the Titans, Jacksonville, Jacksonville, uh, Cleveland, Browns, um, Cincinnati, Bengals, the Bills. <laughs> oh, hush. Uh, Minnesota, and there's one more. There's one more. Hold on. Did I say Tennessee Titans? Tennessee Titans was my seven. All right, good job. Melanie gets a pizza. I was saying you didn't say the Texans. The Texans, I said you're close. You know, we used to think Bill stood for boy, I love losing Super Bowls. <laughs> but I can't talk because the, the, the 12 teams are the Bengals, the Bills, the Browns, the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Falcons, Jaguars, Lions, <laughs> Panthers, Texans, Titans, and Vikings have not won a Super Bowl in their history. Now, the Browns, Jaguars, Lions, and Texans have never even reached the Super Bowl. That's sad that the Ohio teams are both on there. Now, this is where this is, where this is tough because... Who knows the two teams, well, who knows, I just gave it away, but who knows who's lost the most Super Bowls? Yes. No. Patriots, yes. And there's another team. They're tied. Nope. Nope. This hurts me to say it. The Denver Broncos. They both have lost five. Yeah, they're tied there. So, uh, and... Now, now, does everybody realize today we know who's playing? Today, the Patriots and the Rams. Now, this is a rematch. Who knows what this is a rematch from? Super Bowl rematch today. From, anybody remember? No, not 98. Huh? Twin? No, no, not that far. 2002, 2002 Super Bowl 36, Tom Brady, this was his first year as a starting quarterback, and the Patriots played the then St. Louis Rams. Yes, yes, yes. So, so this, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, this is a this is a um, this is a rematch right here. Even though the Patriots are the same, the Rams are all different. But we who knows? This could be the day where they come back and win. But 
Today, I want to talk to you not about losing. I've read a bunch of statistics about losers and everything, but I want you to know that God made you to win. Come on, somebody. And so today, I want to talk to you about focusing on the prize. Focusing on the prize. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 25 says, Do you not know that all the runners... All the, all the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives a prize. So run to win. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. It's temporary. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we do it for an imperishable crown. Father, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it brings life. God, I pray that you would help us today to focus on the prize of the high calling of God. And we thank you that you administer to us, speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, run to win. Run to win. Run to win. We're not running to lose. We're running to win. And the devil wants you to lose. People want you to lose. Have you ever wondered why it is that when you tell somebody about your dream, you begin speaking what God has said to you? How many know there's always somebody around you that's going to expect you to lose? Someone's always going to try to talk you out of it. Someone's always going to try to put you down. They're not happy for you. Have you ever been sharing something that happened and then you look at the face of the person you're talking to and you can tell they are mad? Tell that they're not happy for you. They don't want you to win. You start talking about how you've been blessed or God's done something for you and they got that mad look on their face. Come on, say, no matter what is going on, no matter who's for you or against you, know God is against you, and you're going to focus on the prize and run to win. Come on, say it one more time, run to win. The word run there in the Greek is like an athlete moving forward with full effort and a directed purpose. Moving forward with full effort and a directed purpose purpose. If we will focus on the prize that is set before us and we run it with full motion and a directed purpose, how many know we're going to be victorious? This thing, this thing that we're in called life, called the Christian life, called Christianity, walking in the way, whatever, serving God is like a race. It's like a game. How many know you have good times and bad times? You get knocked down, but you get back up again. You have to go through things, but we're going to run to win. I believe I'm in a stadium full of winners. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a winner. Already won. And I looked up how to win a football game. Now, I was doing some, uh, doing some research, and I thought, how to win a football game? And some things came up on Wikipedia. Come on, this is from the authorized Wikipedia version right here. <clears throat> but one thing is said is prepare yourself for different situations. In order to win a football game, you've got to prepare yourself for different situations. There are different circumstances that you're going to encounter in the middle of a game, and you find yourself in, but you don't have the time right then to prepare for them. 
you got to prepare ahead of time. You got to try to figure out everything that could happen. You got to look at everything you can expect. You start thinking of things that you regularly come up. All right, we got what we're going to do when it's a third down. What we're going to do when we're short on a yardage. What we're going to do when we're in the red zone. What are we going to do? We got to find out all these things. So you got to prepare ahead of time and practice them regularly. So when the moment arises, you're confident. And you know what that reminds me of in this game of life? It reminds me of prayer. We have to pray. We have to pray. And what God's been speaking to me about 2019, he's saying in order for you to focus and be fruitful, you've got to bathe everything in prayer. We're going to have a stronger emphasis in this church on prayer. Now, you know, sometimes I think we pray when we need something. We pray when we're in trouble. We pray when we need help. But God just wants us spending time in his presence and just praying. We're going to come together, have more corporate times of prayer. And I've been coming in here weekly and just spending time in the sanctuary and just walking the floors and praying and, and praying over your chairs. I know where most of you sit. And I get to that chair and I just begin to pray and call your name out. Rita tries to throw me off because she tries to sit in a different seat each week. But I, I got you, Rita. I got you. I got you. You started off over here and then you migrated the next year over to this section. And then, then you start moving around to seats. But I, I know where you generally are. Know where you generally are. I go over there and I pray over Mr. Jones whenever I go to that chair. We don't even let anybody else sit there when you're not here. We put a, a black cover over it and just let everybody know that that's Mr. Jones's seat. Because can't nobody keep up with the Joneses. But you know, I pray over you guys. I walk the floor and just believe God and pray over your specific needs. And, and as I'm doing that, the glory of God just descends in this place and it's so thick and I just begin to weep and pray for you and, and intercede for you and I'm praying out, Lord, be with them this week. God, when these things come against them, let them, let them handle them with grace. God, I pray that when they're attacked this way, that they won't fall down, but they'll stand firm. God, I pray that when they come up against this, God, that they, the word would come up on the inside of them. And how many know that's what we need to do? We need to pray, and that prepares us for the different situations that we might face. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Come on, it doesn't mean just pray 30 seconds before you eat your first bite. It doesn't say pray right before you get into bed and say, now I lay me down to sleep. It doesn't say pray when you're slamming on the brakes in the middle of traffic. It doesn't say pray when you're getting ready to go off on your coworker and slap somebody in Jesus' name. That's not the only time to pray. Pray without ceasing. And you're preparing yourself for situations that are going to come up. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Says call upon me. What is that? That's prayer. Call upon me. And he says I will answer you. And here's the part I love. And tell you great and mighty things. But it doesn't stop there. It says which you don't know. How many know there's some things that you face daily. And you're like I didn't know about this. You get into a situation, you're like, I don't know how to handle this. I was telling them the other day that when I'm preaching, sometimes I see something and it almost throws me off. I just looked over here and noticed my mother is wearing 
Dallas Cowboys colors on the front row of the sanctuary here. Everybody stretch your hands. <laughs> He's just right in the middle of preaching and something just hits you. I wasn't prepared for that. God didn't show me that in prayer this morning. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy you an orange sweater. But I'm telling you, when you call upon him, he will tell you great and mighty things that you did not know. You know, on your job, you can be playing the game, running the race on your job, and you come up against something and just begin to pray. And the Spirit of God will rise up on the inside of you and tell you something you didn't know. How many have been in the middle of a situation at work and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing right here. <laughs> and when your boss come in, how you go, how you doing? How's it going? And, doing just fine, doing just fine. And you're like, dear God in heaven, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I'm looking for a coworker, the coworker that always knows how to do that. They're gone. You're sitting there, don't know what to do. Just start praying. Holy Spirit, give me a divine strategy of what I'm to do. And when you seek God, he'll tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. I was reminded yesterday of a time when I was in Costa Rica we had a mission trip and a group of about 40 of us were in Costa Rica. I had two buses there. And we had just gotten there, got off the plane, went to a place, stopped for a minute. And everybody's getting back on. And someone said a little girl was missing. So I threw my backpack into the bus and I ran in to find her. And you know what happens here. So all of a sudden they think I'm on one bus. The other bus thinks I'm on that one. And they left me. And I come out. And the girl was on the other bus, and I come out, and I'm running, and I see the buses leaving. I'm in San Jose, Costa Rica. It's an hour and a half to the camp where we're going to stay. I knew before anybody even realized I would be gone, it would be at least an hour and a half, another hour and a half to get back. I knew I had three, four hours by myself, and I'm standing there. It's starting to get dark. Fear started coming over me. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? What am I going to do? I, and I threw my backpack in the bus, which had everything, my passport, numbers, everything. And I'm like, I'm done. The devil just started lying to me and telling me, I'm going to take you out. I'm looking around. You know how you ever been in a situation where you lost somewhere, you look around and it looked like everybody's looking at you like, and you know, they're not, but they're just like, I'm coming to get you. And you're thinking they, they don't even see you, but just all the eyes start coming on you. And you just want to curl up in a ball. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I stopped and I said, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I can't be fearful. God has not given me a spirit of fear. And I went over to the payphone. I reached in my pocket. I had a couple quarters, couple colones. I didn't know what to do. I just picked up the phone and the operator came on. Hello? I was like, yeah, I need to get a, hello? I'm like, oh, no. They don't speak English. <laughs> Yo necesito un línea, por favor. And uh, it just came to me. And they're like, well, you know, do you are you a member of the hotel? And I'm like, I had to translate and talk at the same time. And all, I didn't know what I was saying. I just started praying in the spirit. And all of a sudden, everything came back to me. I was able to talk in Spanish, tell them, mi equipo se fue, my team is gone, yo necesito una línea, por favor, I gotta make a call. And all of a sudden I start calling, and I'm like, who am I gonna call? I don't know who I'm gonna call. 
And right before we left, they had given us a number, a piece of paper with a, a number written on it. And I started praying, and as God is my witness, this piece of paper comes in front of my spirit. And I see the numbers. And I had to, eight, five, oh, wait, ocho, cinco, eight. I had to tell them. I got the number, was able, long story short, from here to the building across the street from the church, there was a store that somebody owned, the sister of our missionary. And they said, go right over there. They're going to come and pick you up. And I'm here today to tell the testimony. I mean, it was amazing. But what happened was prayer prepared me for that. If I hadn't have been praying, if I hadn't have been seeking God, if the word of God wasn't inside of me, then I wouldn't have been prepared for that because I didn't see it coming on. And I'm telling you that when you're in this game of life, when you're going through work, when you're going through leading a family, when you're trying to stay strong, you've got to prepare for the things you don't see. And prayer is the only way to do that because God will speak to you when you're down on your knees. He can get something to you via an email. Come on, somebody. I tell you what, he will speak to you if you ask. And you have to understand that prayer is not just us giving a laundry list. Prayer is communication. It's I talk, then I get quiet for a minute and I listen. Hallelujah. Fulton, God is ready to speak to you, but sometimes we've got to get quiet enough to listen. And he wants to give you divine strategies. He wants to give you opportunities. He wants to tell you what places to go, what places not to go to. Everybody say, prepare yourself for different situations. Prayer is the key. Next, study your opponents. I remember the few years I did play football, believe it or not. In the locker room, they would bring in videotapes of the other teams. And they would make us study their plays. They would say, we want you to look at this. We want you to know. Now, remember, they got that big boy. They got that big linebacker. Remember, he is, I think he failed three years of high school, and he's really 27 or something because dude's got a mustache and beard, and look how big he is. I don't know where they're recruiting these people, but remember him. And remember, on this play, he always comes around the right side. So watch these tapes. Know what they're going to do. At the fourth down, they always are going to kick. They're always going to do this. So you study your opponent. If you can, you go to some of their games. You watch them. You see how they play. You see what they're doing. Let me tell you something. We need to stay full of faith and beware of the schemes of the devil. Come on. He doesn't have any new tricks up his sleeve. He's still doing the same old tired tricks, and we're still falling for him. I probably told you this before, but I used to jump out and scare April at the same place at our old church in Colorado. We would come around, and we'd have to turn all the lights off. And we called it the Word of Life Workout Program, because if you were the last one there, you had to make sure all the doors were locked. You had to turn off the lights, and that was a big old building, and it took forever to get around there. And so we, I would always wait inside this little, there was a pillar there, and it had a little cutout. And I would stand in there. I was a lot smaller then. <clears throat> and I would get into that little cutout there, and I would wait. And sure enough, because she, she always had to use the restroom right before we're going to leave. I'm like, you ready to go? Yeah, let's go. We get to the restroom. like, wait, i got to use the restroom. I'm like, why didn't you use the restroom for this last few hours we've been here? So she'd come out of the restroom, and she'd come walking down the, walking down the corridor, and I'd be standing right there every time. And as soon as she'd come around, I'd say, 
hello. It's And I thought, now you know I'm going to be standing here. You should not be afraid. You should be afraid if I'm not standing there. If I don't jump out and scare you, then somebody's got me. So then you need to be afraid. I'm like, I'm waiting for her to, you know, swing something around with a purse and hit me or whatever. And she just come walking down. Ah! And I get her every time. But, you know, that's how some of us are in the spirit. The devil has been beating your brains up and, side, up and down the side of the house for years. And you're still falling for the same tricks. You know that he's defeated. You know God has already made a way. He's already saved you from it. But you still fall for the same tricks. Oh, you have something go on with your spouse. And all of a sudden you want to get mad at them and not talk to them and act crazy with them. And then you realize the word says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This battle isn't with my spouse. So why am I going to take it out on them? I should know that I'm not mad at my spouse right now. There's something else going on. There's a spiritual force. There's wickedness in high places that's causing this. And instead of me lashing out, I need to take authority over the devil. Come on, somebody. But yet, no, we want to fight and we want to give him the silent treatment and get all mad. It's like, what's wrong with you? Get over it. The enemy comes against us and he attacks our finances and we can't, we got more month than money and we can't seem to make things work. And then we realize that somewhere a few weeks back, and I'm about to step on some toes right here and somebody might get mad, but a few weeks back, we realized we let the devil talk us out of staying in covenant with God and we stopped tithing and we ate our seed. And then we realized, well, I don't understand what's going on. My finances just went down the tube all of a sudden. The devil is robbing me. And it's like, hello. Hello, there's rules here. You stay in covenant. That means you do your part. I do my part. We're in covenant. When you stop doing your part, guess what? I'm not obligated anymore to do my part. You were shouting there for a minute. But it's amazing. We've fallen for the same tricks. The boo. We got to know our opponent. Somebody say, know your opponent. I better move on or ain't nobody going to be here next week. Keep focused on your role. Everybody say, stay in your lane. Play your position. That's what you got to do. Keep focused on your role. 22 different people running around on each play. Bunch of coaches on the sidelines shouting. Fans out there making noise and referees and everything. How many know there's a good opportunity to be unclear on what's going on? But if you know what you're supposed to do and you're in position and you're ready to go with what you're supposed to do, how many know it don't matter what everybody else is doing? If you run and you pay attention to what you're doing, you're going to be good. My daughter is, uh, you know, she's very gifted and talented. Arena, but she is distracted easily. She's been dancing and singing and doing stuff, performing at school, and she's got everybody else's part down. She wants to make sure that she knows everybody else's part just in case, because the teacher said if they don't show up, somebody might need to know their part. So she knows everybody's part. But then what that does 
And she's sitting there when she's supposed to be plieing and going right. She's looking around to make sure that Jojo is doing their part and she's messing up and falling and not in the right place. And it's like, Arena, work upon your own self. Worry about you. Make sure you're doing the right thing. Well, you know, she didn't have the right tights on. I noticed and, you know, the teacher was looking at her and she was telling her that she was in the wrong place. Yeah, but you were two steps behind everybody. You know, and that's what we've got to do. Come on, somebody. What is God saying to you? Don't worry about what other people aren't doing and are doing. What is God saying to you? Philippians 3, 12 through 14. It's another version of the same passage. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this. Not that I'm all that in a bag of chips. Or have already been perfected. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Then he says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have laid hold of it, but one thing I do. If you write in your Bible, underline that. This one thing I do, but one thing I do. And I want us in 2019, if you can't get it all together, focus on one thing. Come on, sometimes we have a list of, a hundred things that we want to do. How about doing one thing? Focus on this one thing. Let God reveal something to your heart and say, this is what I'm going to do for myself, for you, and I'm going to do me. Do you, boo. Come on. But do that one thing. And he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Somebody will get blessed right there. It don't matter what happened in your past. It doesn't matter who treated you right or treated you wrong. It doesn't matter what your first marriage was like. It doesn't matter what the job was that you used to work at. It don't matter how your old church was. Oh, it matters what's going on right now. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead of you. Remember, we're on a passionate pursuit with directed focus. What is ahead? I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. When we focus on our role, when we move forward with what God's telling us to do, how many know everything else is going to work out? I can't worry about what she's doing or what he's not doing. I just got to worry about, are you doing what God's told you to do? If so, then keep doing that. Focus on that. Press in and watch God Minister to you. James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Because afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Come on, what is our prize? What is the prize of that high calling? God has a crown, a lariat. He has a floral arrangement. He has a medal. He has a crown laid up for you. I wanted to go into all the different crowns and I may just do that. I've been watching the series on Netflix called The Crown. It's, it's pretty good. If you haven't seen that, it's about the royal family in England. It's pretty good. And I might just do a series called The Crown and work out all the different crowns that are laid up for us. Come on, there's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of love. And he says, this is what's laid up for you. And I don't know about you, Bryce, but I want to get that crown of life. I don't care about anything else. You know what? Things here on earth come and go. But I want what God has for me. And that's the crown of life 
that's laid out. What is that life? The Greek word for life is zoe. It's the God kind of life. There are two definitions that I want to extrapolate here. I want to pull out these two definitions. It's a figurative type of life here on earth. The abundant Jesus-filled life that is pleasing to God. How many want a crown? Be pri- have a prize of a crown that's a life that's pleasing before God. When God looks at you, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I want God to look down on me and say, you did what I told you to do. I had an opportunity the other day to bless a mentor of mine, someone that's meant so much to me over my life. And I was in Florida and I saw him and I said, you know what? I just feel like I need to go and bless him. He was going to be in Tulsa. I feel like I need to drive to Tulsa and, and be a part and bless him and help him. And I guess I didn't realize, I thought that Tulsa was just a couple hours away. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just pop up there and I'll help him. And then I came back and I said, I think I'm going to Tulsa and I'm going to bless Pastor John, help him out. I started looking at the map. I said, the devil is a liar. It was five hours to Tulsa. What? I thought, <laughs> I thought it was just a couple of, it's only a couple hours to Oklahoma City. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I'm like, I'm not going to the, I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, I was, <laughs> I was going somewhere else. And I was like, all right, all right. But I made that commitment and, and I know God wanted me to do that. And and the weeks went on, and the week went on by, and got busy, had something else. Somebody texted me. They said, what time are you going to get into town? I was like, oh, wait, it's already February 1st? Dear God. I'm like, I can't go. I got too much. I'm too tired. And all of a sudden, I hear this small voice say, I thought you made a commitment to me that you were going to do something. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll be there. I got in the car, and... Quarter to eight, tired as I'll get out already, popped me a ID Life energy packet, and I drove to Tulsa, got in, and it was such a blessing. He was so blessed. I was so blessed. God did so much in me, you know, and I believe even opportunities for me came out of me going and doing that. And you know what? It's God saying, on the way back, I'm driving back, and I hear the Lord just saying, you know what? I'm proud of you. I'm pleased in you. You did that and you didn't. And I even, I'll even tell this part. I even had a little selfish motivation at one point. I thought he had a, he had a product table and I loaded up some of my t-shirts in the back of the, the trunk. And I'm like, well, I'll just put some of my shirts out and maybe pay for my trip at least. And I asked him, he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. Go ahead put them out there. And I went to put them out on the table and I heard the Lord say, how is that blessing him? And I was like, all right, not even putting him out. Didn't even get him out of the car. I'm like, God, <laughs> I didn't come for that. I didn't come for that. But God's doing that ever so gently nudging me to say, just stay focused. 
because it's so easy for me to have a focus and then start getting distracted by other things. But God's saying, stay focused. And if I can get something to you, I'm trying to tell you, stay focused because there's laid up for you a crown of life. God says, I've got something for you and I'm so proud of you. And the other one is literally the new life for eternity like Jesus had after the resurrection. And guess what? It don't matter what goes on in this life. It don't matter what happens because there's a crown of life laid up for you. Come on, I said it a couple weeks ago, but in the words of Miss Seeley, this life be over soon. Heaven lasts always. Come on, we got to be focused on eternity.